Um, thank you everyone for joining us today. We are super excited to have you. Um, today we are going to be talking with Lisa Cummings or, or Lisa Cummings will be talking to us. Uh, Lisa comes to us from Stratus Admissions. Um, and the topic today is a pre-MBA self-assessment. Um, Lisa is a former MIT Sloan Admissions Committee member and an MBA, MBA admissions counselor at Stratus. Um, and today we're gonna benefit from her decades of insider insights um, when it comes to the MBA process. Um, Lisa, I know that we are hoping that we can get a sense of our audience today. So those of you who are already um, tuning in with us, please feel free to type into the chat and give us a sense of where you are in your process um, so that we can uh, just be aware of that as Lisa works through her presentation today. Um, Lisa, I'm going to let you take it from here. Uh, please feel free to let me know to advance the slides if I'm lagging, but I, you have my full attention, so hopefully that won't happen. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much and welcome to everyone and thank you for sharing this afternoon with us. Um, hopefully this will be an informative session for you. We definitely um, encourage you to hold on to your questions until the end. My presentation is pretty short and I do that on purpose really to give you an opportunity to have the questions that you need to have answered answered. So the topic as we talked about is a pre-MBA self-assessment and what does that mean? That means that if you're thinking of applying to school there's things that you want to be and assessing in your own application. Are there areas that maybe you think are super strong and areas that you maybe aren't so strong? And how do you deal with those different things um, through the process? So that's what we're really gonna go through here. And just a little bit more um, on my background, on the next slide, I won't repeat what, you know, what my, um, what's on there, my schooling, but just a little bit of background because I think my background is pretty typical of other people at Stratus is after I got my MBA from, from the Johnson School at Cornell, I spent many years in New York City on Wall Street in buy and sell side equity research positions. I also spent some time working in private equity and then in investor relations. So again, this is typical of a Stratus counselor. We all have good work experience as well that we can bring to the table. Then, um, as they mentioned, I spent 14 years at Sloan and during that time I read, oh gosh, tens of thousands of applications for all the different Sloan programs, the Masters of Finance, MBA, EMBA, and I also interviewed thousands of candidates. And again, I'm not unusual among my peers and my colleagues at Stratus. We all have some of this great experience that we can bring to you. So moving forward to Stratus, sort of who are we and what do we do? The, the key differentiator, which um, is on the next slide, is that we really take a team-based approach. You heard me in the prior slide just talking about my peers. We really do collaborate and work together quite a bit and that benefits directly our clients. Um, all of our counselors have an MBA from a top business school and our team, so when you work with a team of of Stratus counselors, that would include a primary counselor, which if you're working with me would be me, a senior strategist, a school specific reviewer, and a proofreader. And those are all different people who are gonna be looking at and weighing in on your application. So you get all this value and benefit. You'd touch on about six to eight Stratus professionals if you worked on a number of schools with us. 
we don't do a cookie cutter approach. We really focus on you and your story. We wanna take you with all your imperfections and great little things and help you build your story and your brand so you can really talk about yourself in the most positive way and get some really good results from your schools. As I said, we don't have a one size fits all process. We really tailor our process to you, to each client. Um, and moving on to the agenda, you can see on the slide, I won't repeat that, there's a couple of things we're gonna talk about. Um, mainly the first piece is I'm gonna go through those areas of evaluation one by one and give you some details there and some things to think about as you're thinking about how you wanna position yourself. And then at the end, just a really brief wrap up of how Stratus and Noodle Pros can help you in this process because it really is quite a journey. So the first thing that we're gonna look at is those areas of evaluation. Um, applicants, so again, there's those five areas of evaluation. Um, the first one is academics, professional experience, leadership and community involvement, recommendations, and essays and short answers. So that's kind of the, the snapshot of what you're gonna have to be thinking about as you're preparing your applications. And applications really are evaluated holistically. It's an evaluation of you as a person and as a candidate, as opposed to a selection. Oh, I'm gonna pick him, I'm gonna pick her, I'm gonna pick them. It's really a process. And the good thing is you don't have to be perfect in all five of those categories. Even if you are less than perfect in one area, there's great opportunities to make up for it elsewhere, somewhere else along the line. Um, for example, strong essays and recommendations can help override perhaps some lower statistics that you may have. And one thing to keep in mind, we get asked this question a lot, is candidates are compared with others in their subgroup or demographic. If you work at a Wall Street firm, you're gonna be compared against others in that demographic because you have similar opportunities. I always get questions from people who work in maybe less what they consider less traditional areas, like maybe nonprofit work where they don't have some of the opportunities for leadership that um, some of their peers at you know, a bank or, or a consulting firm have. That's fine because you're gonna be compared against your, your demographic. So don't worry about that. What you wanna worry about or think about is standing out within your demographic. And if you don't, like again, if you're looking at those and thinking, ah, I might be weaker or stronger in one, now's the time to think about it. It's not too late to strengthen any one of those areas. So I'm gonna jump right to the first one, which is on the next slide, it's academics. So this is one thing you can change. It's partly changeable, it's partly not changeable. Schools really look, wanna look at your quantitative preparedness. And that's evidenced by, Two things, your test scores, your GRE or your GMAT, and schools are very agnostic towards that, as well as your transcript. And those are really important for two reasons. Schools wanna see high scores and good grades because most of them are focused on their rankings. Are they a top school? Are they a, a, you know, a, a top 20 school, a top 10 school? How do they rank? And higher selectivity feeds into those ratings. So if they can say all of their candidates have a 4.0 and perfect GMAT or GRE scores, that feeds into their ratings. Um, they're also interested in your GPA because they really wanna make sure you can do the work in the program. The last thing they wanna do is admit you and have you struggle because it's, 
not helpful to your cohort and it really does you a disservice. If you're struggling to get through the classes, you're not gonna really be able to take advantage. Um, so there's a couple things to think about. Where do you fall? How do you know if you're a good fit? Every school will publish their class profile. And I really recommend if you haven't already done that to go look at your, the schools that you might be considering and see where do you fall in that, in that range. And that, the numbers that they generally publish are the middle 80%. So if you're kind of in the middle of their 80% range, then you probably have a 50-50 chance of getting in. Now that's not a 50-50 chance of getting in overall. If they have a, for example, 15% admissions rate, you've got a 50% chance within that 15%. But that at least gives you some sense of where you stand. Um, if your GPA is lower, there's not a lot you can do about that. Um, but perhaps sometimes we talk about providing an alternative transcript to show admissions committees that you can do the work. Maybe you didn't take quantitative courses in college, or maybe you didn't do as well as you had hoped in college in those quant courses. Have you taken an online class or when one could sit in a real class, have you taken a real class in calculus or statistics um, so that you can get a strong grade and show the committees that you're aware this is something that they might be looking at as a potential weakness and you're, you're now helping them see that it's really not a problem. So these are things to think about if you haven't started the process and you're a little bit worried about Maybe think about signing up for an online class if you can. If your test score isn't where you want it to be, that is something that you generally can impact um, yourself. Our clients have had a lot of success with tutors. And one of the tutors that our clients really rave about is Noodle Pros. They've seen great improvement in their scores. And even just a few points difference in your score that sometimes you can get from tutoring can make the difference between an acceptance and a wait list or a rejection. So don't, you know, if your scores aren't where they think they, where you want them to be and you really think you can do better, definitely consider some tutoring um, and that may, that may help you out. Um, the next category that is really important for schools is your professional experience. The average candidate these days has about three to seven years of full-time work experience. In prior years, if you weren't gainfully employed by the time you put in your application, that was kind of seen as a flag that maybe there was something wrong. Um, given the turmoil in the world right now, um, committees are a lot more understanding about that. Companies are downsizing, you know, oftentimes folks are let go or, or sort of put into consultant roles or, you know, sort of part-time roles just because of what's happening in their company. Um, so if you don't have a job right now or are working in a lesser capacity than normally you would be due to the COVID crisis, you can explain that to your schools. Most schools have an additional information or an other category where you can talk about these things. And it's just sort of a brief explanation as to, as to what's happening. Um, if you are fortunate enough to still be working or even in your past work, they also wanna look at your work progression. Has that been solid? Have you really moved up along the ranks? And again, this is where the holistic approach works. Some industries like banking, you know, you get promoted often. Um, so there's a lot of title inflation. Other industries like engineering, there's not a lot of promoting happening. So the, the schools know that and they just, they're knowing what to look for. They really want to see that you've added value in your position, not that you've not just that you've kept a seat warm for a couple of years. Um, and if there's ways in your application where you can quantify or qualify your impact and contributions, these are things you want to be thinking about. In terms of professional experience, another thing they're looking at is: Do you have any experience managing people or projects or budgets? You don't necessarily need a big title to lead or manage others. Oftentimes, that's done just 
from behind or you're just leading um, through influence. These are all things that are important. Another thing they look at, you know, within your professional experience is, do you have some skills, knowledge, or an industry experience that'll really add value to classroom conversations and team projects? They're always looking for that. You know, they're looking for that person that's going to add a little bit of a something, a different angle, a different approach to look at things to make the cohort much more robust. We often get a lot of questions about, gosh, I've changed jobs a couple of times. Is that going to look quote unquote bad? No, it's okay if you've switched jobs or roles. The only thing you will need to do is really articulate why. And sometimes that's through an essay or sometimes that's through additional information. You know, you just want to show that you've made these changes for a particular reason, or perhaps you were in a startup or another company that has shut down for whatever reason. Again, just they just want to have answers for things. A couple of other things to think about is, are you up for a promotion in the next few months or working on a really big project that you want to share? These are things you want to think about talking about in your applications. And finally, not, not the only thing, but another thing to think about is, do you have any experience working outside of your home country? Again, when one could do this, um, that can be seen as a plus for schools as well. So if you have any international experience, that's something you certainly want to talk about. So I'm gonna highlight um, on the next slide, just a client that we worked with who's currently at UCLA Anderson. She had a really rocky professional path. She was an undergraduate science major with a decent, like a mid three GPA. So nothing terrible, but nothing really that's gonna stand out in the, in the minds of the committees. She was a third time re-app and between her um, cycles one and two, she was able to increase her GMAT, which got her some interviews, but she still wasn't getting accepted and she couldn't quite figure out why. Um, she came to work with us and we realized she had a really disjointed work experience that made it hard to, for her to articulate or show that she had any kind of path or trajectory. She'd been working in healthcare software consulting as well as financial sales, which are a little bit of a disconnect. And she wanted the MBA to pivot into entertainment. And I think it probably seemed like too much of a disconnect to some of the committee. So how to help her put together a story, how to help her work on her narrative that really tied all the pieces of her background together. So that's what we did. We really looked, we talked to her, we figured out one of the reasons that she was so interested in entertainment was as a small child, she did not speak English. It was not her first language. And she learned how to speak English watching cartoons. Um, and so that really got her into the value of entertainment and education. So we were able to help her really articulate and build her story and show how the pieces from her past work together to prepare her really for um, a career in entertainment, whereas prior that had probably seemed like a giant disconnect. And she ended up getting accepted to UCLA with a full scholarship. So even if you have sort of an imper, what might seem to you to be an imperfect background, we can certainly help you figure out the pieces that fit together to really make your story gel and hang together well for the admissions committees. Um, the next topic on the next slide is leadership and community involvement. Why is this important? Schools really want to see that you're not a one-dimensional person. You want to be able to show them that you've successfully been able to balance work involvement, work and involvement in your community or other groups to demonstrate that you can really juggle what's going to be thrown at you in business school, which is classes, activities, recruiting, having a little fun, all that you, you need to be able to juggle. Um, so involvement as an undergrad or current, you know, as a current professional really prevent, presents you as someone who's going to engage in that MBA community and make a really positive contribution to the learning environment of other people. 
think of how you can connect maybe your involvement with outside groups with your goals and why you want to get an MBA. You know, perhaps you're interested in working in education and you're doing, you're working maybe as a mentor um, in schools or you were when you could do that, working as a mentor in schools. If you're not in the MBA process right now and you're not involved in any outside work, think about what you're, are you passionate about? What is it that you might want to do? What communities might you be able to connect with um, so that you can start building this? Um, and it's really tricky now that groups aren't meeting in person, but there's also an opportunity to reach out to organizations that you're really passionate about that align with your goals to see maybe how you can help them online. Do you have some skills that can help them with their tech presence? Are you great at outreach? Are you really great at fundraising? You know, maybe you can help them do that in this new digital landscape. So there's a lot of different ways you can get involved in a community or a group even under these sort of not ideal conditions. Um, or perhaps we often find that there's activities that demonstrate commitment that have kind of fallen off your resume because um, you didn't think they were important or you know, maybe you didn't think they were gonna be interesting. So we'll dig in there to help you find all of that too because maybe you were really involved in something um, and you just didn't, oh gosh, I had to cut one line off my resume and that's the line that came off. So we're gonna walk you through really all of your activities to help you uncover that. Um, and the next slide is just a great client that we worked with who had a similar um, difficulty sort of making that connection to community. To community. He was a humanities undergrad. He had soft quant and limited, softer quant um, experience at school, limited quant experience through work. He switched jobs a lot. He had about three jobs in a couple of years and it was kind of hard to find a trajectory. So we really helped him focus his narrative on the skills he had developed through his personal, academic, and professional experiences with a real focus on that building community, building relationships. So he, he sort of crafted his application around his visit vision of building corporate communities and improving lives as a sales executive and then a CEO in the software space. And that really worked for him. And that was not something that maybe he would, that he would have thought about right away, but it definitely helps. The next area that we talk about is recommendations. I have done numerous entire webinars just on recommendations. I can't underscore how important recommendations are. So you wanna be thinking about that, who you wanna ask if you haven't already thought about that right now. In my 14 years, as an MIT Sloan AdCom, the very first thing I read in every application was the recommendation. <clears throat> it's a third party weighing in on, on your candidacy and how you are as a professional. They can really make or break an application, so choose them wisely. Believe it or not, I did read a couple over my tenure that really made me cringe, and I thought, wow, why did that person ask that person to be their recommender? Because they really didn't have anything good to say about them. So you wanna make sure when you're thinking about it, how do, you, how do you identify or have you identified someone who'll be your champion, someone who's supportive of your aspirations and really understands why you want to get an MBA? Have you asked them already to write recommendations? And, and I always say, don't ask for a recommendation. Ask for a good recommendation. If someone feels they can't write a good recommendation for you, it's much better to sort of overcome that initial embarrassment of having them turn you down than have them submit something that if you had been able to read it, you would have wished they didn't submit. So make sure that upfront that they understand you really need a champion, you really need someone to support you and get their buy-in so that you know they're gonna, or you hope they're gonna write a strong recommendation for them. And how do you hope for that? You absolutely cannot write your own recommendation. You can't 
um, you know, draft it out and have the person fix it and sign it. You just, you can't do that. It's a potential move to the ding pile if, if schools find out that you did that and ethically you don't want to do that. So how do you make sure that they write you a good recommendation? You provide them with some information that they need, you know, bullet points highlighting your career. You want to tell them why you want to go to school. Remind them of some of the wins that you've had, um, some of the good successes that you've had so that they can write a solid letter on your behalf. Um, the next slide, it talks a little bit about gosh, what if you don't really know who to ask as your recommender? And there's sometimes, there's reasons you don't wanna ask your direct supervisor who's always your best bet to be your recommender. You don't wanna tip your hand that you're going to business school, you're up for a promotion. So then what do you do? So this particular candidate was a really good example of a strategic choice in his recommender. While we generally say, don't go for titles, don't go for big names, don't go for famous people, unless they have a very good connection to you, this person did use his boss's boss. He used the director of his department, who's the boss of his direct supervisor, as his recommender, and it really worked for him. This recommender, his boss's boss, knew the candidate really well, both from all from project work. He'd been he'd been privy to his quarterly reviews, and they did a lot of work together on philanthropic projects for the company. So this the recommender was really able to comment on the candidate's career progression and leadership qualities with, with a much more robust and holistic view of both his professional and community work. And those personal re details really helped humanize this candidate um, in the minds of the admissions committee. So sometimes it's thinking a little beyond your direct supervisor if that person is not going to be the best person for you. The next area, which is the next slide, is essays and short answers. Um, I don't know, we'll get to these questions if any of you have actually started your applications, if you're just thinking about it, um, but there's often more to it than just an essay. <clears throat> so there's short answers in many applications um, and the responses of those really need to align with what you write about in your essays. You don't wanna talk about something completely random in, in some of those short answers and then talk about your career goals and have the admissions committee shaking their head like, wait, what does this person wanna do? So you really don't wanna overlook these and just kind of throw them in at the last minute. You wanna think about what are your short-term goals? What are your career aspirations? You need to be, be able to articulate why you need an MBA. Otherwise, it's gonna be hard for you to say why you wanna to go, to, go to that school. You know, why now? Why is now a good time for you? And why is this school the best fit for you to really be able to achieve those goals? Um, and you wanna think about what areas do you need to develop through an MBA to get your goals? Obviously, where you are now, you need that MBA to bridge you to your future goals. What does that bridge look like for you? And it's different for every person. Um, writing can be hard for people. Some people can just sit down and bang it out. Some people can't. So if you're not somebody who is a natural writer, who hasn't been writing an essay in a long time, because an essay is very different than a memo for work or a presentation, um, we suggest if you haven't started the process yet, just start keeping a journal or just every day, just start writing down a few thoughts just to get you back in the groove of, of writing like perhaps you did when you were in college. And one thing to think about is, do you have a trust trusted advisor to review your materials and give you honest feedback? You want someone to say, yeah, that's a great idea, but you're not articulating it well, or that's not a great idea, think of something else. Is that trusted advisor going to have time, the time to give you, and are they gonna be able to work within your timeline? 
Um, those are all things to keep, um, keep uh, in mind. And the last piece, it's not neither an essay nor a short answer, but you want to make sure that your essays are updated for your MBA applications because they're a little bit different. Your essay for an MBA application is going to be a little bit different than it would be for your next job. Um, so moving on to then the last piece, um, which is really how can Stratus help you? And if you look at the next slide then, um, the white one, that really outlines really what we can do. And again, I'm not gonna read through all of those, but again, I talked about our team-based approach. I talked a little bit about my, um, my background and my career path and that it, mine, as I said, is similar, but from different industries and different schools of all of my peers at Stratish. Um, all of our counselors, to reiterate, have MBAs from top programs. We share information and insights with our clients, and we share information and insights with each other. I have had many occasions where I've had a potential client come to me, and I've said, you know what, I think you might be better off suited to work with my colleague, you know, X, um, because I really think that that person, given what that client wants to do, would be would get a better service from someone else and i've gotten clients from my from my colleagues that same way we really want to focus on you that team approach that i talked about a little bit um, really allows for that multiple sets of eyes on your materials who work in your time frame who have time for you so for example if you're working with me who i went to to cornell um, and you're doing an, an hbs application an hbs alum would provide that blind second read for your essay um, which would really replicate what the admissions committee sees and that's really valuable our counselors really have a passion for mentoring and coaching and our team has decades of admissions committee experience and that includes people like me and several of my peers who've actually sat on admissions committees. Others have conducted numerous alumni interviews and still others served as second year's admissions fellows reading applications and conducting interviews when they themselves were business were in business school or business students. So this experience really benefits you. And again, the team has a diversity of experience. I have a PE finance background. There's others who've worked in strategy, consulting, nonprofit, journalism, energy, technology, real estate, education, retail, on and on and on. We have a ton of counselors that have very, very varied backgrounds that, again, can add value. Are your goals realistic? You know, how do you frame your goals? How do you make that sound, sound correct uh, to the admissions committees. There's people that can help you even if it isn't your primary um, your primary counselor. So I'm just going to um, ask that the last slide just be left up just because it talks about how you can con um, contact with us. We do offer free half hour one-on-one -on -one, um, consults. Uh, you can have them with me or anybody on my team uh, just really to walk through the process. If you have any specific questions, have any specific questions about Stratus or the process, that's what we're, we're here to help you. We also have a couple of upcoming webinars on the 6th and the 13th that you might want to think about participating in if those are topics that would be helpful for you. But what I'd really like to do now is turn it over to you and see how I can answer your questions that haven't been answered in the presentation. Are there any questions out there? Feel free to unmute yourself if you want to um, ask a question or if you're more comfortable typing the question in the chat, I'm happy to read it aloud for you. I would like to know what the impact of deferring students might be on next year's class. 
Sure, um, that's a great question. So Harvard, for example, normally sits a class of 920-ish students. They publicly announced that they were offering deferrals or they were granting deferrals to 200 of those students. Um, so the class that they sat that's, that's starting now is about 200 short of what it normally is. And what does that mean for the next two years is that those classes, the available seats will, prob will definitely be smaller probably spread out between those two years. So there will probably be 100 fewer seats for the fall, for the fall class starting the fall of 2021 and starting in 2022. So sadly, that means that things are going to be more competitive for the next couple of probably two years. Harvard is one example. Almost every school granted far more. Every, every year schools grant a few deferrals because there's extenuating circumstances that really prevent a really qualified person from coming to school. That's obviously was very different situation. So it's going to be more competitive, unfortunately, for students applying the next two years. Hey, Don't be shy. <laughs> There's no such thing as a silly question. This is really quite a complicated and detailed process. So feel free if you have any questions, even if it might seem silly to you, it's not. Well, let me just add to that then, if there are fewer seats, will that also be impacted by the employment profile and just the changes that the pandemic has caused in the financial career industry? So that it's a little too early to tell what's going to happen on the hiring side. Um, that what generally happens is the top schools tend, as one can imagine, tend to be less impacted um, when there's hiring downturns because the, the top companies are still hiring at the top schools. That what, what sometimes happens is it may trickle down to schools maybe on a slightly uh, lower tier. They may see a little bit less hiring activity, but it's a little too early to tell. I mean, companies don't know what's going to happen. They don't know what their hiring is going to be for the class that's graduating um, even this spring. Um, certainly we've seen a lot of activity in the career offices of all the schools. Companies are still hosting things. They're hosting virtual events this year, whereas they might've had a coffee chat in person. It's online this year, but it's a little too early to really tell and that's gonna depend on what happens with the virus and what happens in the economy overall. I wish I had an answer for that. Any other questions? Again, feel free to type it into the chat if you'd rather not um, unmute. I'd love to wish that I did such a complete job that no one has any questions, but usually there's, a, there's some festering out there in the crowd, so feel free. I don't see any coming through in the chat. I know that um, we were also live on Facebook, so I'm just going to look over there and see if we've had anything come through. Okay, I don't see any questions on Facebook. Um, so we'll do last call for questions here. Oh, I see one. Okay, are there subsidized costs for engagement of a counselor as the foreign exchange in my country makes it a lot for me? 
So um, Stratus has a number of different, um, and feel free to reach out to me. I can send them or look on our, on our website to see the different types of packages. So we do realize that costs can be a factor to clients. So we do offer hourly packages, which are more reasonable for students who maybe feel either they don't need the full comprehensive services or those might be a little bit out of reach. So that's an option for, um, for some students, for some clients. Okay, any other questions? I don't see anything on Facebook. So I think, I think Lisa, you did do such a fabulous job that there just are not many questions. Okay, all right. Please feel free, as I said, to reach out to that, the, the um, email address. If you have any additional questions, I know sometimes people are shy or you hang up the phone and you'll immediately think of a question. So please feel free to reach out and we'd be absolutely happy to answer any questions that you have. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. I can't thank you enough for sharing your expertise with Noodle Pros and our followers. Um, Stratus, I can't, I can't stress enough what an amazing resource Stratus is for students going through this process. So like Lisa said, do not hesitate to reach out if you think of questions after the fact or if you're interested in a consultation. Um, they are truly the best of the best. So thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks a million, very helpful. Thank you.